Hello everyone and welcome to the Super Show podcast, another live streamed episode, a format that I am totally used to and definitely not agonizing of over every second. I'm your host for this week, Jamie, and I'm very glad to be able to say that I'm joined once again by the main man himself, Mr. Alex Jones, looking dashing as ever, might I say. I don't know, there's something about, I don't know, have you changed your camera angle? You had a haircut? Or you, you just um, drinking a lot of water lately? I have had a haircut. I am also, do you know what? I'm on I'm on uh, Noom, the app, the diet app. Okay. I'm trying to uh, shift a few pounds, so I'm you know I've got a few to sh- I've got a few to get through. So well, um, I I wouldn't have said as much, but I, but I I must admit you are looking a, a bit a li- it's a bit less jowly just overall. Oh well, I've, I've seen, maybe a little bit. I've I've got a long path to get down before I get to. Uh, the goal weight, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see Getting we Spartan can. is what you used to call it back in the day when we <laughs> used to work in the same office together. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I thought every time I watched, um, it was called Physical. Did you ever see Physical One Hundred on uh, Netflix? The no. Korean people who basically it was like Squid Game, but with actual like physical exercises, and it was um, it was a very loose framework. But the objective of the show supposedly was to find the best physique. Uh, possible, right. which is it's a very sort of like loose, broad, sort of like catch-all kind of mission statement. But it was kind of like, oh well, you, you know, you get that classic thing of a video where like, hey, look, the strong man might look fat, but he's actually stronger than the bodybuilder. It was that kind of thing where if you got like gymnasts and rugby players and cyclists and you know emergency workers and army veterans and all these people and made them do physical exercises, which physique would be the best? And for some reason, uh. like. You always popped into my head when I was watching it because I know that you. I feel like you find that kind of thing interesting. I do find it really interesting. I love all that kind of, um, yeah. How because phys- yeah, physique has always been sort of interesting to me, especially when I got really into going to the gym and that, like lifting weights and things. And you start to find out a lot of stuff about how how like the difference between natural and and uh, not trend up, mm. <laughs> and also how big people are because I'm obsessed with like how big like celebrities are in real life. I've heard that about you. <laughs> yeah. Just cause so that the thing about like Stallone is like five, five or something like that. Right. And he's T-C. still, so when he's jacked, he's that yeah. he's cause he's quite a small dude. If you met him in real life, you'd be like, Oh, he's not that big. Whereas you was people on TV and movies, they always seem absolutely huge. And they're not, I've always found all that stuff. Yeah. Fascinating. And then, and then like you go and watch the WWE and the great Carly comes out and he's like, why is he so soft around the middle? Why, why does he kind of look like he's got a bit of a belly? Is that, oh, it's because he's eight foot three. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> you can't really have a six pack when you're that big. Um, Heavyweight yeah. boxers are a really good example of that. Like they've got, they've obviously got to make, or they've got to make weight. So often, sometimes they need to put on weight and often they don't need to lose anything. They need to maintain and you're, you can be stronger with more, um, like with more fat on you often because your body's not trying to um, conserve energy and things. It's in a perfectly happy place. So often you like boxers because they're not worried about what they look like. You do get like boxers who look a bit soft in the middle and it's because they're yeah. trying to be best they can be. They're not, they don't give a shit about what they look like. Oh yeah. Tyson Fury is never going to win any awards for his, uh, his physique. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. 
Um, but I must say that for as much as uh, as you and I, you in particular, are fans of of the male form, uh, there's one thing we maybe like even more, and that's video games. And video games are exactly what we are here to talk about. And ironically, considering we're kind of talking about hey, peak male performance and the way you might have to fuel your body to perform um, at your most efficient, I've got a feeling that the that the p word might be coming up an awful lot today as we discuss hot new releases. Um, emphasis on the word hot, like Star Wars Jedi Survivor, potentially hot future releases uh, like Redfall, and a bunch of other stuff like Microsoft and the CMA over here in the UK, trading barbs, and also how well the PlayStation 5 is selling. All of that and more on this episode of the Super Show podcast that, like I said at the top of the show, is being broadcast out live on YouTube. So if there's some part of you that wants to watch the disaster unfold in real time and leave comments as we crash and burn, you can do so. Just head over to the YouTube channel. Subscribe and turn on notifications and all that stuff so you get a little ping, a little note every time we do go live. We don't have to annoy everyone on Discord, which is something that Jones and I were discussing <laughs> the ethics of just before we went live. And of course, you can reach out to us on Twitter. The handle is at SuperShowPod. I'll be honest, in this post-Chris era, era that we live in, I, I, I must, I'll put my hands up. I'm not checking the Twitter. I don't know if you are. Um, I, I actually, I do occasionally, I do check the Twitter um, just in case someone's dropped a, a dick pic that I need to forward on to Chris's email. Um, yes. Not been anything recently though, so it's all been good. Ah, see, some folks out there aren't doing their due diligence or their dick diligence. Please do get those dick pics hot and fresh out of the kitchen straight into our inbox so we can show them to Chris um, and let him know what he's missing by not being here every week to check it for himself. And of course, um, because of the uh, the ongoing hard work of my co-host, Mr. Alex Jones, this podcast, while being live streamed to YouTube, is of course still available in those traditional audio platforms like Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, if for whatever reason... You miss us one week or you don't want to watch the video version anymore because our faces are just getting that little bit too grating. Head over to your favorite podcast pl- provider. I don't know, listen to it, stream it, download it on a commute, a long journey, wherever you've got time to kill. We will be there to help you slaughter it. Just like our friends at Paisley Radio are helping us slaughter our way up the charts of Scottish digital radio airtime. That's not actually a fact that's just my sort of headcanon for how popular we are up there um and if any part of you feels in broad to go and check us out on let's said digital radio then you can head over to paisleyradio.com this podcast is beamed out on thursdays at 10 p.m it's repeated on mondays and it's a great old time it's the exact same product you're consuming right now but just via a different means and what could be more exciting than that right Josie? exactly mate exactly i like i said every and like i say every week i still have a vision of people listening to us in old-timey radio fashion through paisleyradio.com. So. Yes, exactly. Back in the old days when people used to read newspapers, listen to the radio, and play games at seven frames a second. Although I do have some good news for lovers of that final form of uh, that final antiquity, <laughs> is actually you don't need to play old games at seven frames a second because thanks to the hustlers over at EA and and Respawn this is really fucking harsh you can play the hottest new releases at horrible frame rates depending on your platform of choice um Jonesy I'm talking about Star Wars Jedi Survivor and wow I've got to be honest if you froze the week on like Wednesday afternoon UK time just before the review no uh, let's say Wednesday evening just after the review embargo I didn't I, I would not have predicted any of the furore that the rest of the week would bring um as boy 
oh boy, has it been a hot and heavy week for the aforementioned teams over at uh, EA and, and Respawn. Um, should, we, should we dive into it head first? Let's do it. Let's go, let's go through this absolute shit show. Yeah. Dumpster fire. I, I don't know about you, but this, this was like, this was my Twitter feed for most of the second half of the week. Was it the same for you? Was it my what? Sorry. This was, this was my Twitter feed in gaming terms. Oh yes. Yeah. No, mine too. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So essentially for anyone that, you know, needs a bit of a catch up, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, the uh, latest in the Star Wars Jedi, I guess, series is what we're going to call it. Sequel to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which came out like, I don't know, like four years ago at this point, uh, there are thereabouts. Developed by Respawn, of course, of, of Titanfall and Apex Legends fame. Um, it arrived on Friday. Review embargo was a few days earlier than that. And it reviewed very well when the embargo dropped, sitting on scores of 87 for the Xbox Series X and S version, 86 for the PS5 version, and only, you know, 81, which is slightly lower, but not a huge drop-off on the PC version. That's according to review aggregation site Metacritic. However, as Jonesy and I just alluded to, once people actually started talking away from you know traditional reviews and the things that were being published on all these websites, it appeared that there was um, some pretty nasty problems lurking beneath the surface, particularly uh, when it came to the PC port, which has since been named by Digital Foundry as the worst of 2023 so far. Uh, they highlighted numerous issues uh, across uh, that port. Uh, obviously, performance issues first and foremost. People with extremely high-end and extremely managed, like you know, extremely efficient graphics cards, talking about having to you know set put all settings down to low and still only getting performance around 30 frames a second. Weird problems that just seem to uh, you know appear out of nowhere. Digital Foundry highlighted one where. If you turned RTX off and then back on again, performance would drop in a way that you wouldn't be able to claim it back unless you restarted your game. Uh, weird problems with FSR, FSR2 implementation, which is, of course, what they've got for upresing means um, as they are working with AMD on this, so there's no DLSS and no NVIDIA support. Um, it was, yeah, a pretty damning video from Digital Foundry alongside a chorus of, of, of similar noise being made by other people in the press or in the media or just fans who had gotten their hands on the game early. Um, I will also note that it turns out the console versions of the game aren't that much better. Uh, they, they are certainly the place to play at the moment, but looking at the PS5 version in particular, uh, it seems as though that performance mode... On that seems pretty ropey. Um, it doesn't. Uh, it seemed to be able to hit a solid 60 frames a second in basically any scenario whatsoever. Seems to hover between like the mid 40s to the mid 50s. Huge problem, of course, for those of you who don't have VRR displays and are going to be dealing with screen tearing throughout. Also, reports that the native resolution of the PS5 performance mode, this is before it's been kind of reassembled and up using FSR, drops as low as like 720p, um, which is a remarkable number, Jonesy. Like, we're talking PS3 360 numbers um, in some cases here. I don't mean to sort of serve you up too big a question, too all-encompassing a question, because I know that was a lot of uh, information to, to kind of process there, but... About like, well, how does something like this even happen? Like, this just seems like a massive fuck up. Oh, absolutely astronomical fuck up. I think it's it's not that surprising. Like, we've seen some similar things, similar problems people have had, especially with um, PC versions for games. Um, 
But I think we, you know, we've talked more recently and said that, hey, look, if you can't get a game to a stable 60 FPS, um, like looking nice, yeah. in, uh, currently um, on this software at the moment, like you don't release the game. Like that's often is what we said. We like maybe maybe save it, work on it some more, make sure you get um, everything humming, everything working really nicely before you ship it. And the fact that they've put this out, and um, I believe that with reviewers, there was a patch that released. So I believe that reviewers had like a, a raw version of the game that they got. Then they got a patch for it. Then they got the day one patch that everyone would get. Right. And it, a lot of these things were said to sort of uh, fix a number of the issues that players were having. And a lot of the, the reviewers, especially on PC, were just saying like they didn't fix anything or they, or they were very marginal in what they managed to do. Um, it's, a, it's a real shame. And I think we've talked about this before when you get a game which is you know to all intents and purposes very good in its in its style and its look in you know the story how it presents itself combat etc cetera, etc cetera. um it's a real shame when they when it falls down so badly on the technical front especially because people love to get things day one they love to make that purchase they like to like Absolutely. jump on and enjoy it and share their experience online social media etc and to have something perform so badly it just absolutely sucks do you think then that, like, as you kind of made a very good point there about how the the circumstances under which reviewers sometimes have to review titles like this, and it's not uncommon, as you and I know from previous experience, to get lists of problems that might include something as broad as, like, performance issues, and it will say, like, hey, please don't talk about this, this will be fixed in a patch that you don't have access to yet. And you kind of have to take it that leap of faith that, that day one patch will fix everything that the developer says it will. Do you think then that, like, I'm not suggesting, that I'm not trying to get into tinfoil hat territory already, but this idea that this game was clearly reviewed under a very specific set of circumstances <coughs> that resulted in this 86, 87 Metacritic score on the console versions, only for then the public themselves and the people who didn't get access to review code to have to figure out that there's a hot mess bubbling away beneath like is there an is there a tinfoil hat moment there is there a conspiracy and and do you think that's justified i think so i i think it would i haven't played oh, i haven't played it but from what i understand to put jedi survivor into because okay look oh, the first thing i want to mention is cyberpunk you know cyberpunk changed the game like you know no pun intended <laughs> it, it, it made everything different because what we said was we can't trust reviewers anymore because they're going to do what the the developers want or the publishers want and they're going to say don't worry when this game releases it'll be fine and they say yeah. okay and they put out their review saying what a fantastic game and then people get their hands on it and they're absolutely horrified it doesn't seem like that is this is the same with jedi survivor it, it seems that the more of the issues are like more nuanced they're more things that people are going to have I don't know what you want to call them, big G gamers, people that are going to say, well, hold on, my game's not running at 60. Like, um, I'm not happy with that. Like, if they want to, if, if most consumers may even find that they're not that bothered by the console versions, like I've heard people say that they they run fine. Um, yeah, they're not great, but they're not too bad. And in inside environments, where there's not too much going on. Like the frame rates are pretty decent. Yeah. I think the problem is if you're, a, if you've got shit tons of PC gamers out there, who are taking the reviews on board and are buying the game, and then they're and they're expecting a game to run in a certain way. The big thing with this game as well is um, the. It seems like it doesn't matter on your setup. Like some people were playing this game on absolute beasts of machines that could that should be able to destroy this all day long, and they were finding that they weren't able to get like a stable forty FPS, let alone sixty. Yeah, and that makes no sense. If you can't even ship a game that's going to run 
you know, on on a, a machine that a reviewer's got that's worth like 15K or more. Like, what are you doing? So, right, then, yeah. My first sort of, uh, the first I heard about this was I watched Skillup's review and he mm. out, he flat outright said, I cannot recommend um, Jedi Survivor based on his experience because he said he's got two PCs. One is like a, um, a sort of a, a very good um, consumer unit with a, I believe it's got a, I believe it said it's a 20, 2080 Ti or a 2070 Ti and like a, a decent yeah. um, uh, CPU and everything. And he said it was borderline unplayable. And he said he does nearly all his reviews on that machine so that he gets a good representation of what the game's like. He had to stop playing on that and then play on his Beast machine, which has got like a 4080 or something in it uh, and yeah. an insane, you know, uh, setup. Uh, and he said, and it was still um, getting, you know, in some some situations it was dropping below 30 FPS. Right. She's like, and he couldn't change the settings to get it to a place where he was happy with the game, which makes no sense. No, because then you're getting into this territory where it goes beyond having this really poorly optimized hog of a game and goes into the territory where, like, well, clearly something's wrong. Like, there's something in the pipeline or the way this game has been ported over to PC. I, I, I don't want to play, you know, uh, backseat game dev and and make any guesses or pulling punches when it comes to how this was all. Uh, strung together but yeah it, it does reek of something that just like is top to bottom you know problematic they, they were even talking in the digital foundry video about how some of the ui elements don't even appear to be uh, functional on uh, pc and if you for example you uh, open up certain menus and scroll over to where you would exit the game you can't click on the exit game button like the left click doesn't register <laughs> right you have to hover over it and press enter on your keyboard um, like the, the the left mouse button just seems to stop working. Like yeah, you're right, and it goes back to what you said. Like issues like that are indicative of something, some slightly more fundamentally wrong than just poor optimization. Like that's yeah. One although weirdly, there is I think there is a decent argument to be made that it should be. I'm not. Oh, I'm not going to say it's like going to be easy, but often we'll say like for example, like let's let's say like um. um Cyberpunk, we said early on that this game is going to be broken for a very long time if it ever gets fixed because of the kind of bugs, the kind of problems it has. Yeah. Uh, one interesting thing with Jedi Survivor on PC was a lot of the, uh, I saw some people talking about how it wasn't even fully utilizing things like CPU, GPU. Yeah. Um, and, and which kind of suggests that with some better optimization behind the scenes and a patch, it may actually sort of be a relatively short amount of time before they can get it running much better because you're not using all of like, you know, systems on your machine and it's still not working. It's more that yeah. it just hasn't been set up properly. I, yeah, which, which for sure. is a weird, maybe it's a weird way to be like, don't worry, lads, it should be okay no, because... Uh, but, you're, but you're right. Like it's so hard to kind of weigh up the two things because there is, I think, confirmed this afternoon, a patch coming either later today or tomorrow, depending on which platform you're on. And that might be a fucking miracle patch for the PC yeah. version, for all we know. But at the same time, like, yeah, as you said, you can't get away from the fact that, you know, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, this game's predecessor, had a lot of issues, and a lot of, in some cases, a lot of the same issues. Um, that game also, you know, was ported over natively in the to uh, platforms like the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X. You know, the you could at least look at that and say, well, that's them having some experience of porting, you know, working with, the, with that, that engine or that workflow, whatever that case may be, on the, those next-gen piece of hardware. And this was also a game that was delayed for 
I think I was at eight weeks or so. Like this lot, the most recent and ultimately, obviously, final delay of eight weeks was for polish. Mm. So they spent the they spent the, 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 there was an extra two month delay purely for polish on what has been you know now called by in some corners of the internet um, with like the worst. Uh, PC port of 2023 by Digital Foundry, and I've heard some other people describe it the performance mode on consoles as the worst performance mode on con- and and like it, like that that is something that will be extremely disappointing to people, especially because this is a oh, talking about the console version again. This is a PS5 and Xbox Series S and X only game, and people have been crying out for that sort of like that next gen sort of like showcase the thing that ditches that previous gen behind says uh, we're not going to make something that needs to be, be be that flexible we're going to make something that targets next gen or i guess now current gen hardware and really makes it sing and the opposite is happening you know you're either playing you know, you're playing the game at fucking 40 to 40 frames a second with screen tearing at 720p natively up res really badly using it to 1440p using fsr2 or you're playing it like a 1440p native badly up res using FSR at like at, at 30 frames a second that can sometimes drop into like the teens, like 15 frames a second around things oh, like that large is, bodies of water. Like that because, is like, bloody terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and like, like, one of the reasons that water's a problem is because they made the decision that um, ray trace, wherever, where, 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 where and when the game does use ray tracing, it will always be on whether you're in quality mode right. or performance mode. And so like that's just one example of an interesting thing of like you're force you're forcing ray tracing on on all modes on on console and yet like we can find an area where we can make the run uh run, a game run at 15 frames a second. And like that like that's it just it hasn't happened this badly for a little while. I think is what's so fascinating about it. I th- and also, I think the issue is if it was ju- if it, I would say just the frame rate issue. I know that's like to some people that is that is game breaking. But if you mm-hmm. even put the frame rate issue aside, it's not only that. Like the number, the litany of other bugs and other problems that people have had. If it's yeah. from audio issues, uh, desyncing issues. Um, I think there was a lot of people flagging that it, they were having um, the game was effectively just not or, or getting rid of all their XP. And not saving it so you know it was these, yeah. are, these are things that you if you were a non-gamer i could absolutely imagine that if someone said to you oh this game's basically unplayable because um it doesn't register that i've got lots of i've, I've got lots of numbers up to this point and my numbers should be ten thousand, and my numbers is only 200 and they're like oh yeah but can you play the game can you run around you like Trust me, not being able to like gain yeah. XP in a game like this is absolutely game breaking. And I would immediately turn it off. I would I would delete my save and I would wait for the dev to come out and say, don't worry, we fixed that issue. It's completely gone. Don't worry about it. Because yeah. there's no way you can play that game in that state. It's, it's completely fucked. And whilst it might not be everyone who has it, it's kind of a, you know, as if enough people have it, then, then to me, I, I then get back to your initial question, which was, can we forgive reviewers for giving like an 81 and 87 or whatever? In that case, I'm like, no. If you were a reviewer and you found these sorts of things and you're giving it like over an 80, that to me is baffling. It's like I said, so, yeah. so Skill Up literally says in the title, and I love that he does this in the title of his videos. He said, I cannot recommend. Yeah. He, there was no, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give it a 79 and say patches. He was like, no, don't, don't buy this. Wait, like, do you need to wait? Yeah. But it just it just makes you want to be a fly on the wall for that, you know, and I, I hate to put them in the crosshairs because they're they're in enough as it is. But to be a fly on the wall for that 
nine out of ten IGN review and be like, <laughs> you know, the, the, which is, you know, I'm, I, I'm sure mentioned some of the things we're talking about now, um, but I don't know to what extent. And instead, mostly focused on the game's strong points, of which there are seemingly many. Oh, this is an interesting point to put, mention. I was chatting to um friend of the show, Steph Murphy of Technowovo fame, who has been playing the game. And he was, I'd asked him about performance and he was, I don't know if he was referring to his situation or a worst case scenario, but he said, yeah, it's a bit of a bummer. Like when you put everything on low and still only pull 30 frames a second. And I was like, yeah. And, and I said, and how's the game? And he, and he went awesome. That was just like, such yeah. a shame. But, yeah, it's like, but but also that's the part that's hard to pass. You kind of hinted at this earlier, like on Twitter, how many people have responded to the backlash thus far around Jedi Survivor by saying, it's fine for me. And it's like, you're giving us two variables there that we can't really pass. What does fine mean, in your opinion? And what does what does what's fine for you? Like, if you can stomach you know, 12 frames a second and you barely even notice frame because we've all been like, like I, you, if you told me that I played Red Dead Redemption at less than 720p, never hitting a stable 30 frames a second, I wouldn't have believed you because my memory of Red Dead Redemption is <laughs> perfect and untouchable. So, and some people I'm sure are still in that frame of mind where they're like, I'm just playing the best Star Wars game I've ever played. Can't tell me anything else. That's one of the. It's one funny thing about. We've often talked about doing reviews. You know, when we were um, had our, our YouTube channel and well, our other YouTube channel, and even on this one. And, we've, and one of the things I think I've flagged to you guys before is, I would I would happily do reviews of games. One of the problems I would have is there was things that I would let go that I'd be like, yeah, loved it, thought it was fantastic, and then other yeah. people would play it and be like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, I can't stomach like this bad resolution or the fact that the, you know the lighting's bad here or the frame rate's really bad. I'm like. I'm nearly 40. I come from an era where the draw distance was about 15 feet and the uh, the frame rate was like 20 FPS. And I thought games were amazing. I thought G Police was like one of the most astounding things I'd ever seen made um, yeah. in its cutscenes. Like I'm not the best person to talk about this stuff. Like, but some things you can let slip like that. But so, and maybe some people can, uh, but at the same time, if people can't, that is completely fair as well. Like I'm, I'm not going to tell them that they should still be enjoying uh, a subpar um, game due to optimization um, yes. because of that. Like, you know, I'd, you know I would actually have more respect and I, I'd be interested to know how this would go down. If a, if a publication like uh, um, IGN GameSpot, whoever, to be fair, anybody, if they actually said, we're not going to release our review score, we've decided that the game is very good but there is a number of issues that we think will be solved in the near future. Therefore, we're going to withhold our score um, and and see what happens in the next month or some or so, rather than go here's a nine, and then say and then people go what are you guys talking about? It was bit like it was horrible. Mm. What about the here's a four? We'll update it if it, if it if it gets higher in the future, we'll bump it up in the future. <laughs> like well, for prosperity's sake, when you know we're hit video game historians in the future, how should video games be reviewed? How they were at launch, how they were when you decided it was time for them to be reviewed, how they were the second the developer decided they could be bought for full price. Like what? What are you putting a number on? I've come around a little bit, so I used to think like day one was was God, and that's what mattered. I've kind of come around, and I'll tell you one thing that's done this to me is the is the cost, the like massive co- increasing cost of games have got on relaunch on launch now. Is I've actually found myself like delaying getting games. Like I haven't bought Jedi Survivor yet. I know it's going to happen. I'll get it on PlayStation Five, but I haven't got it yet. I'm going to wait a bit. Um, and I now have a little bit more respect for 
the waiting, giving it a couple of months and then getting it. Like games are around, they're very long. You can play them for a long time now. They've, they've often got like more stuff right. opens up to them. I don't think you need to be a day one purchaser anymore. I don't think that's kind of the way the industry is anymore. Um, so I, I'm, I'm more open to it being a longer process now. No, I, I, I agree. But what I'm saying is as a critic who ostensibly serves a number of different purposes, but one of them is to inform the consumer as best as possible. Do you not have a right to inform the consumer on the quality of the product the second the developer decides we're willing to let people spend £70 on this? That is when your duty to inform consumers kicks in. I, y- in, which, yes. in which case, you don't unscore it. You give it a four. You say they think you, If they think this is a game that they can sell, then I think this is a game that's a four. That's fair. I would I would say that either is fair. Either unscoring it and saying we're not ready to score this yet because we think it needs an improvement and it will be improved in the near future, or to give it like a, a, a live score. So like give it a four, and then you say we'll update this, uh, we'll we'll review this score when the next patch comes out. But I think the problem with that sort of thing is with with a live score thing is imagine like Cyberpunk for example, you would have had to have replayed the game every few months every time they release like a patch or a fix or something. Oh, I think it would yeah. be unworkable. So. But you know, no, I mean, no, yeah, you're, you're right. No Man's Sky would be on its 26th review. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, exactly. Exactly. It would have been a one, and it would now be a ten. Like it would be so messy. Maybe, maybe that yeah. is. But then you get, then it gets weird because, like, what would Metacritic have put down? You, they wouldn't allow you to update your score, surely. So it gets kind of weird. It does. I'm torn. I'm weird. I'd be interested to what chat think and what um, people in general think. If people would want yeah, to comment, please do. Uh, Fire away, whether you're watching us live or whether you're watching us after the fact and you want to get involved in the comment section down below or if you just want to reach out to us uh, in your own time. Of course, you can always find us over on the Discord that you can access by signing up to the Patreon. More on that in a few moments. But yeah, please do fire in, whether you've uh, played Jedi Survivor and got thoughts of your own, whether you're holding off like Jonesy is um, for specific reasons or just if you want to weigh on the whole... Uh, video game review uh, fucking meta that we, I feel like, dive headfirst into, like, at least twice a year, there'll be a game that makes us consider the way that video games are reviewed and the way that critics work and and the duty of the uh, of the video games media and, and video games journalists. Um, and it's never, it, it, it's never... It's never easy. It's never neat or tidy, is it? It's just always a mess of opinions. I tell you what's really, I tell you what's bizarre about games, and I suppose this is, I'm not calling out the games industry, but imagine if every time a film came out, we had the same like percentage um, of films coming out that had problems technically. Like you went yeah. to see a new film and there was like unsynced audio. If there were like problems with, if it was out of focus, if like green screen just randomly like wasn't done very well and popped in and popped out. Like those things usually flag because they're, because you notice a tiny thing and you say, oh, did you see the composition on the shot? Like the game seems to be the only thing where you can have these insane technical issues and people just yeah. kind of go, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> and you think, is it? Yeah. And then you get into the weird thing of like, are those technical things around the outskirts of the game a part of the art? And so is a video game critic critiquing the art in the same way of like book critic might be critiquing the art when they've just got the actual cold hard, you know, the, the ink on paper that they're processing in and, and feeding back on. Whereas for us, it's like, actually I was going to talk about the story of Jedi survivor or the, I don't know the the gameplay of Jedi survivor, but instead I spent half of my review talking about how poorly optimized it was on certain platforms. Um, it's a messy one. It is it's a messy one. 
and uh, one that uh, Respawn are still trying to make good on by most accounts. Um, I can't remember if I pointed this out earlier, but Respawn have actually put out an official apology on Twitter in true you know video games 2023 or maybe just video games 21st century uh, fashion although it's worth noting that that apology was specifically for the performance of the PC version of the game on certain PCs is how they put it which I don't know seems a little bit too narrow for the product that they have released but we'll see what happens in the future um, weeks of patches have been promised and the first kind of post-release patch, I think, is due, as I said, sometime today or tomorrow, depending on which platform you're on. And it's also worth noting that it is, unsurprisingly, having no impact at all on how the game is selling. We um, have physical numbers out of the UK already uh, after the game's first weekend. And so far this year, 2023, has been bested only by Hogwarts Legacy, but it is supposedly, quote, well ahead of third place, now third place entry, Resident Evil 4, which I guess isn't all that surprising that this game is kind of snuggling neatly under Hogwarts Legacy when it comes to sales. And I'm sure that uh, while that is physical sales in the UK, I'm sure that is echoed across most of the world and across digital sales uh, too. Um, but yeah, um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm weirdly enough, I, I don't, I'm, I don't know if I made this clear. I'm playing the game at the moment, so I'll, I'll, I'll give a few thoughts in a second, but nothing too exhaustive. But um, it will be one to keep an eye on. Um, something else, I guess, to keep an eye on, Jonesy, given that it is the uh, the first of May, 2023, is uh, our Patreon. Which, I guess, full transparency, you and I probably still consider ourselves to be in the phase of figuring out entirely um, how we're going to service the Patreon and what and what we're going to do um, in the coming weeks and months and the kind of content we produce. Um, some of it might just be a little bit more ad hoc and on the fly as some of the content we've produced in the last couple of weeks has been. But as it is the 1st of May, um, the Patreon is technically unfrozen. Uh, people are welcome to head over there. People are welcome to sign up. Um, and we are going to start trying to uh, continue to produce more and more content, some of which will be available to everyone. For anyone that saw the recent Dead Island 2 streams, there have been a couple of them, for example, of course, open to everyone just on the YouTube. And there will be um, some Patreon-exclusive content going out as well. I believe we actually produce a Patreon-exclusive piece of content. Last week, uh, we, uh, as Jonesy mentioned during that podcast recording, we just kept going at the end of that episode and talked about a couple of more news stories, kicked back um, and just recorded an extra piece of content. Um, I believe that's something we're going to try and keep doing, right, Mr. Jones? Yes. Um, no, we would like to keep doing that. Um, in fact, we were trying to work out exactly how it's going to work, but one thing I think would be good to try is if people would like to head over to the Discord and put questions or things in the um, the AMA section. Uh, and if we will see about maybe answering or addressing some of those in a um, little podcast after show for the, uh, yeah. for the patrons. Absolutely. I have realized something. Hmm. Not a technical difficulty, but I will need to read out the patrons when we do the readout one because behind the curtain, look, I have not updated the list on the sheet, but I have updated it in the the image that pops up on screen. So you will be reading the wrong list when it comes to the patrons. I'll hand it. I mean, there's not that much (laughs) more to say other than um, we haven't just, I guess, sort of unfrozen the uh, the Patreon uh, willy-nilly. We hope sort of that one-month gap uh, following Chris's sort of leave of absence or whatever you want to call it gave people enough time to kind of make any decisions they felt like they needed to make around their interest in, in keeping on 
watching and listening to this thing and, and supporting us over there. Um, but Jonesy and I are going to keep cracking on in the meantime. We've got some ideas for things we want to do with the actual main podcast, the thing you're listening to right now that we hope will kick in in the month of May. And um, and we're going to keep looking for more and more opportunities to produce uh, more Patreon-exclusive content for the people that do support us, certainly more than the last um, you know six months to a year prior to this uh, has seen. So, yeah, um, watch this space, and, and um, hopefully we can give uh, people some content that is worth pledging for. Right, Mr. Jones? That's, and I'll consider that a handover. I've just thrown, thrown you the rock. No, absolutely. Um, yes, I, I saw actually as Snifflebox in the uh, chat said um, he was wondering about the Patreon uh, going live again, and he took it as a good sign, which is good. Um, and as Jamie said, yes, we have we will be continuing um, for yeah. the uh, an indeterminate period of time, which I always like that indeterminate yeah. because it means you've got well, no idea how long we've. Like, I don't, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say like we've got a plan for how we want to like make them this main podcast this you know the, the the flagship podcast work like we've got a few things that we we want to test out um it won't be anything dramatic people who want to sit down once a week and listen to fucking morons chat about video games for like 90 minutes that's not necessarily going to change <laughs> but just ways to keep it interesting and funky and fresh both for us and for anyone that watches or listens um and yeah it, it just didn't make sense to kind of um you know, close the doors before we tried something, anything really, right? Like, that's yes. how I saw it, at least. I've, I actually got it wrong as well. It, w- it was rain, not Snifflebox, but there you go. Nah. Both okay. of you giving a shout out, so thank you for that. But um, as Jamie was saying, the uh, Patreon is live over at patreon.com. There are some uh, patrons on screen right now. Um, and I would also like to give a shout out to some of you awesome people. Um they are Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Brett Z, aka Shellshock, Cole K, Ice Not Rock Salt, Mr. Anthropic, Pastors Guild, and you guys have my support. Very nice. Thank you for that. <laughs> and the big dogs, the members of the board, I am talking Geometric Potter, Hacksaw But Greed, Manuel Guerrero, and Peaswad. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for supporting us. Um, we will keep doing this as long as you keep wanting to watch. Um, and even when it's us and it's just one little person in the chat, and only one person watching. Maybe we'll keep going then, and it will just be that one person. So there we go. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, it, go, it goes back to even when we first started this thing, like to be able to just create a Patreon that anyone was willing to look at, let alone give money to, was 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 an exciting feat. And uh, this is like, I, I'd say this is like the sort of the weirdest or the, the most... Um, the most change that's happened around the product since it started, which is always going to be an interesting time. And it, it's a natural kind of like fork in the road for people to reevaluate their relationship with something like this as much as we're reevaluating it. But um, hopefully it also ends up being an opportunity to do some, some cool shit. I don't know. Yeah. And look, you know, when Chris became abusive and, uh, and did all that horrible stuff and, and what he used to do to the, uh, the girls in the office, it was, it was unfortunate that we had to let him go. Uh, but no, yeah. of course I'm joking. Uh, we'll bully Chris to be on in some form uh, in the near future. Yeah. So uh, as a little and, treat uh, for everybody. Stay tuned for the new channel that Chris is creating with that guy who got kicked off the Try Guys. Um, <laughs> apparently they're, they're pairing up uh, to be the brand new ab- abusive bullying uh, <laughs> evil duo that the internet has been screaming out for. So we wish them luck. <laughs> it's just called Gamers. Like yeah. big G with a, gamers with a Y for the Y. Oh, I said capital no. G gamers. Capital G gamers. 
yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's called Chris Joannidis' Elden Ring Minute. Um, and it happens <laughs> once every six months. And here's the twist. It's actually only 42 seconds long. Yeah. Hey, I'd watch it. There we go. You know what? The, the, some of the sadistic thoughts in my, that swirled around in my head when, when Chris uh, did uh, step back from the podcast of like, now's the time to start playing Elden Ring, to become like, the <laughs> Elden Ring guy. Um, get 90 hours under your belt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like- no, I, do you know what? I promised Chris that I would get him involved. Even if I started playing in my own time, I'd get him involved and I stand by that. It would also be kind of fun, like... I don't know, I've also had sort of like daydreams about, daydreams makes me sound like a fucking lunatic, but like, if we, if we did ever like make any Elden Ring content, then that would be the perfect kind of stuff to try and get Chris back in for mm. in some capacity or another. Um, so hey, you know, anything's possible, right, Jonesy? Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's almost like you could, I'm trying, this is going to be such a fucking hard segue. It's almost like if you could click your fingers and say the magic word, then then things could happen, including you changing from a child to an adult and a suit forming around your body. <laughs> wow, that was that's got to be up there. One of my favourite segues. You, you, you bring something better to work with, Mister Mister At Home Premier <laughs> Fucking Virgin. Um. So yes, yes, Jamie. Thank you because I am the uh, child snap finger god transforming one because I got to watch Shazam Fury of the Gods thanks to our friends over at Warner Brothers Studios uh, who hooked us up with a premiere um, for the film to yeah to watch along at home with the the premiere at cinemas. So Friday night I checked it out with not at um, cinemas. Uh, is it not at cinemas on Friday? That's what is it that, came out. Wasn't it? Shazam was in the cinemas like three months ago. Was it? Is that the at-home yeah. premiere? Is that what it was? Yeah, I, must... I think you were just—I think you were just watching it at the same time that um, it oh, it got really—it got streaming into I must—I missed it at the cinemas. That's what happened. I—I I wasn't sure, sure it the gods come out. came out on the seventeenth of March. Oh wow! Okay. Oh, not that long ago then. A, a six weeks. Six weeks. Not three months. You know what? It, it's definitely worse. a quicker turnaround than you used to get back in the old days when films would take six months to come to DVD, whatever it was. I tell you, what, you know what's funny is I'd seen some marketing stuff for it when it came out, and I and then I just hadn't seen it, and I was like, oh, I wonder if that'd come out yet. And when they reached out, I'm like, do you want to watch this? I was like, hell yeah, I want to watch it. And then uh, yeah, didn't obviously read up any of the uh, when it actually dropped. <laughs> um, because okay, I am I was like, oh Shazam, uh, Shazam two, Shazam one was fine. Shazam 2, I'm sure I'll be fine. I'm sure I'll catch it at some point in the future. I was pleasantly surprised with how good this was and how much I enjoyed it. I, w- I was not expecting to enjoy it as much as I did, um, which, yeah, kind of surprised me. Because on the on paper, like I'd seen an interview with uh, Lucy Liu, who is um, one of the daughters of uh, Atlas in, this, in the film. And the setup just kind of sounded a bit crap, like to put it, you know, neutrally not bad not yeah, too bad yeah. not too well yeah it just didn't sound amazing and some of the some of the trailers i'd seen and things were a bit like oh, okay yeah it looks like one of those but no i i had i had a lot of fun with it i had a good time with it i watched it with two other people who one who couldn't really remember shazam one and one who hadn't seen shazam one so he watched a um 500 view uh video that someone had made which was a roundup of shazam one it was it was terrible the review the roundup was terrible but Why did you watch one with 500 views it was the first one that came up and we were ready to watch the shazam Jesus, 2 so we're like that so algorithm let's watch it and it was one that we where someone had used you know like uh generative text to voice it wasn't like AI. oh was one of those just straight yeah it was it wasn't great but no the, the, the film was and i enjoyed it i thought it was it was the right side. Shazam, as the first one was, was the right side of like 
self kind of self-deprecating insofar as it knows what it's doing. It knows that it's a bit of a piss take. Um, Weirdly, although it's more family friendly, I kind of get the similar vibes of like uh, Deadpool in the way that it knows it's the black sheep Mm. of the family when dead with Deadpool's relationship to Marvel movies and the way that they don't ever have the main characters in Shazam films. It feels a little bit like that with DC, but I'm, I'm down for that with DC because DC for me at the moment is, is lukewarm at best. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah, So, I was quite happy that this was a, just a fun film that kind of didn't take itself too seriously and had a few sort of jabs at being on DC in general. And no, yeah, and enjoyed it. I thought it was thought it was cool. Thought it was interesting. Helen Mirren, Lucy Liu, can't really go wrong. I, I the main cast. I've got no idea who any of them are. Like that's one of the things that stood out to me in all the pre-release materials. Like I recognise that main dude now, but largely just because he is Shazam. Yes, and where are these people I, from? I think he he was in um, what was the TV show that made him big? Chuck. Chuck, uh, which I, I think. Was, oh, yeah, I know. I have heard of Chuck. Okay. A comedy that ran for five seasons, um, from two thousand and seven to two thousand twelve. Chuck is that I feel like the kind of TV show that if Chris was here, he'd go, he'd be going like, yeah, Chuck, you guys know Chuck. Come on, right, Chuck, Chuck. man, yeah, Chuck. But yeah, I think it's fair to say that Zachary Levi. I'm going to say. Um, Never really was never really much of a household name certainly here in the UK prior to Shazam, and I'm kind of with you that none of the other school kids that turn into adults standing around him in any of the preview stuff that I saw um, were recognisable. No, and and uh, this is the same for this. I was just like I don't know who any of these people are. Um, it, but then you do have uh, was, is it Digimon Huson? I can never I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm not um, sure his first name is pronounced Digimon. Digimon. Be- Digimon. Not Digimon. <laughs> Like digital monsters, no, yeah. Maybe well, actually, that, if you were to give him his full name, yeah, Dig- digital monsters, Hunsu. <laughs> uh, but no, he, yeah, he's obviously super recognisable, wicked. And then you, in this one, you just had some, yeah, very high class actors in or celebs or stars or whatever you want to say with Helen Mirren, uh, Lucy Liu, which was cool. Um, who I was in the yeah. first, I can't remember. Was it not uh, Mark Strong? Mark Strong, thank you. Um, yeah. So yeah, they do they they do cast like a couple of well known people in them, but at the same time, because the main cast is not that well known bit of a weird one but yeah no yeah. i i've enjoyed this a lot more than i have enjoyed any of the more recent like straight to um disney marvel movies that they've done or not disney not stra- not straight to disney but the ones that came to disney like uh in the last let's say 18 You're, months i i assume you mean like sort of like almost like post avengers endgame yeah um mcu so like Black Widow and exactly the guy. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. That one, I don't even remember what it was yeah. called. That one, I found all of those like so meh that I just wasn't really that into any of them. But yeah. this was this all was love and thunder was a bit wank. Ah, um, right, come on now. Those, Thor, did you like Thor Love and I Thunder? I did like Thor Love and Thunder. Oh my bad, I thought it was a bit. I thought it was a bit shite. To be honest, oh no, it was a bit um, shite, but it was underneath the shite there was actually i think a lot of fun to be had and i actually did have a soft spot for the 80s vibe the goats the screaming goats i thought were great like there's a couple oh, of jokes they, right okay because this um uh it was directed by uh Pike waititi yes which and i think you can see some of his humor just come through in certain areas where i almost wish he no, maybe not too maybe not more of it maybe that but then do you not think that ragnarok was just that but better and funnier and fresher Yes, but like I said, if you look at the current era of Marvel, it's so crap that I think he had a lot less to work with. Whereas Ragnarok, he was in a better; it was easier maybe to to work with something good. 
I don't know. I, I just felt like that Love and Thunder felt a bit flat, and they were kind Fair. of pushing the comedy angle a bit too hard, and that it didn't really come together, and that it actually wasted what could have been a really strong bit. I thought Christian Bale's character could have been a lot cooler than he like he was. I thought there was undertap potential there. Yeah, um, yeah. But then, do you know what? Like, we're having all these conversations now, and they're all going to be fucking, you know. Tears in rain um, in probably a matter of mere months because Marvel will roll on and start on some other phase and will be, you know, like fucking Thor will be a distant memory. And then Lord knows what's going on with DC now that James Gunn's gone over there and is starting everything all over again. I'm pretty sure they're going to, it sounds like they're going to use that Flash movie as maybe an excuse to kind of like screw up all the timelines. And then we'll basically. Basically, be Why? starting from square one again. Why well, do they well, keep doing this? Mess. Because it's a mess. They've, Marvel have done it as well. Like, just, oh my goodness! Like, please stop with the hey, multiple but, dimension but the, 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 time DC work, DC worked themselves into more of a corner, though, right? Because they had these two different. They had this DC EU thing that was producing shit movie after shit movie. I'm <laughs> sorry for any Zack Snyder apologists in the chat or anyone listening, but like. There were a lot of bad movies to come out of that era, and I think they needed to move away from the whole Batfleck thing, and they needed to move away from Henry Cavill. Batfleck, yeah, I like that. But at the same time, Robert Pattinson in like Robert Pattinson's The Batman was a legitimately good movie. Joker was a strong movie, and so Joker was great. Batman, uh, Pattinson's Batman was all right. Robert Pattinson. Let's not overrate it. Robert Pattinson's The Batman was a very good movie. Let's the not over it. It was a very good movie. The Batman was snubbed for the Oscar for Best Cinematography. It, it was very. I would. It was very good on cinematography front. I would give you that. It was. It was a very okay. visually okay. impressive film, and I and I did enjoy it. But I don't know about the good good movie. I'll be. I'm a bit. We, but we and we both liked. Well, I think we both liked the Suicide Squad. Right. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, what? So. What? Actually, had a good great time with that. Thought it was very enjoyable, and thought they it's a rare occasion that they've come out and gone, we know what we did wrong with, with Suicide Squad. Please stick with us. We're <laughs> yeah. trying to fix this. And I went, oh God, you actually have fixed it. Well done. You've made a, yeah. you've made it a fun, enjoyable, know what it's trying to do film. Like, yeah, more of that. Turns out all they needed to do was put a the on the front. Um, <laughs> Just needed a the. Yeah, which, exactly. Which is probably why one of the working titles for Dead Island 2 was The Dead Island, but apparently they did uh, roll back on that a little bit and just start with Dead Island 2. How have your adventures in LA been treating you? Very good. As, as people who've watched our live stream would know, um, if you haven't checked it out and you'd like to, you can go to the channel and check out um, Jamie and I. We've got two uh, Let's Plays up there at the moment. Um, yeah, I've been playing more. I've, I've, I've just, um, about an hour before we sort of hopped on and started chatting, um, I've finally got the uh, what are they even called the zombie augments that you get where you can sort of oh, exactly, more, yes which the, you were telling the, me about the autophage is like that's it the, autophage like, it's like how it gauges how much of the zombiness you're going to kind of like imbue and how zombie like you'll become I guess yes so no um, yeah more of the same um, it, I think someone on the live stream pointed out that like as a single player standalone game it's probably not worth the price tag. And I would I would probably be inclined to agree with them. Like I've I've still been enjoying it when I've been playing by myself, but it doesn't it isn't does not compare to when I've jumped on with you and we've been playing some co-op. It's so yeah. much more fun. Like we've been just being stupid and we've had a lot of fun fulfilling missions and just smashing zombies to pieces and like having a laugh while we do it and trying to do silly things. Um and that is the way I think I've I've enjoyed that game the most. But I am still enjoying it as a single player. 
Um, but yeah, just to not to the same degree. No, I agree. I mean, court makes everything better, right? It's Absolutely. Like, it's hard to it's hard to compare, but um, agreed. Uh, I still had a solid time. I actually finished it um, earlier in the weekend, which is why I did uh, take the jump into Star Wars Jedi Survivor in the end, because I was like, well, now I kind of made this pledge to do what you did, especially after we spoke about it on Friday, to like hold off on Star Wars and wait for a patch and be patient. And I was sat there, um, well, yesterday, Sunday, and just thinking like, this is stupid. I'm not playing anything, and I'm also actively not playing something I want to play just because I thought it would be a good idea to wait a bit longer. <laughs> and I just said, fuck it. I, you know, why wait? I know, um, in, in my, in my uh, imagination, you, in your head, there's just a Jamie, like, arms folded. like, I said I was going to wait, but I don't want to. <laughs> and then just bought it's it. It's basically that. And it goes back to that... Um, the, the joke from The Office UK when um, David Brent's talking about all the pleasures of being his own boss. <laughs> mm. um, and he talks about, uh, you know, some days I'll just wake up in bed uh, and say, mm, oh, I'm feeling a bit tired. Can I, can I have the day off, please, today, David? Uh, <laughs> yes, you can, David. And so that, that, they're both me. That's not me. A bloke with a, in bed with <laughs> a bloke with David. David. <laughs> yeah. um, great, great office gag. But so so like David that. bought you the uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor game. David Brent lent me the business card. Who um, <laughs> does your tampons? And, and used it to buy Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which I've, I'm not going to go wild, buck wild on because I've played about... Can't have been more than like three or four hours of... Um, across this morning and a little bit this afternoon. Um, but I, I'm having a good time. Um, I'm in the camp of people that sort of just kept it on quality mode and knew that there were going to be quirks along the way, but just tried to focus on the Star Wars experience. And so far, I'm, I'm, I'm getting what I wanted out of it. It's uh, been refreshing to return to what I think were already a pretty strong set of gameplay pillars from Fallen Order. I think the combat still feels nice and the traversal, likewise... Um, they make the smart decision to not come up with some stupid like reason to have Cal lose all his powers and abilities. So at the start of the game, he's still got like a... Every time I say the word double-ended, it feels like I have to follow up with Dildo. <laughs> but double-ended lightsaber, and he can still double jump, and you get a um, you get the ability to snap, unsnap the um, double-ended Dildo and... and them go, your wheel and go from double yeah go from a double ended to a double fister if you know what i mean Hello. um and you also get a grappling hook really early on so inside the first two three hours they kind of build on the traversal and the combat of fallen order and and rather than sort of like making you sort of walk back you know you know, retrace those steps in any way that would be boring and the new environments seem cool bigger more open than anything felt in fallen order um Story hasn't really done much yet to sort of like prime me for anything particularly exciting, but you know uh, the fundamentals are all there. So I'm looking forward to um, getting slightly deeper in in time for next week's podcast, where hopefully I can do a bit of a debrief. Maybe you'll join me. Who knows? Let's see how you're on a scale of like zero to ten. Ten being you're definitely going to fucking buy it. <laughs> zero being there's no chance that you have played it by next week. How likely are you to be joining me in a, a Jedi Survivor chat? Ah, oh, you know, I always hover around a nine point five. You know me. Like I'll I'll say no, and then like half an hour after the podcast, I'll be getting such bad FOMO that I'll just like get or, like get on the PlayStation app and just like buy it and then get home and be like shit i wasn't gonna do that but um yeah. I'm, tr- I'm i'm really trying to be better with not like impulse buying shit um and just wait like saying hey let me finish this so i'm you know i'm i'm probably 
maybe I'm like halfway through Dead Island 2, maybe. I'm not, I'm maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, I need to like finish that. I, I actually finished Hogwarts Legacy before I bought anything else and played anything else. So I'm like, okay, let me keep up this. This is what, this is the way it's supposed to be. You get a game, you finish it, and then you move on. You don't just start playing another one mid game. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that, how that goes. But I respect it. I'll give, I'll give it a 9.5. <laughs> yeah. there was a part of me that went because I revealed uh, my uh, playing Jedi Survivor to you by sending you a picture of my screen um, with it running basically saying oops <laughs> and I genuinely there was a like in my head there was a 68% chance that you responded with you doing the same thing <laughs> with your TV with it on it um, yeah, it's, but it's fair play. You've held out. I admire that. It's, and I will say, like the the, the issues and, and the reviews have not been the thing to stop me playing. It is purely down to a Jesus Christ. Games are expensive these days. Let me, yep. um, you know, th- there's other things in life that my wife, you know, would rather me buy than dropping seventy quid every month on a new game. So, oh yeah, and I'll, I'll be if I bought Which that is- as well, I'd be running three for three. If I picked it up today. That would have been three games, three months, and she probably would have been like, um, "Maybe stop doing See, that." This is why I'm 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 in the camp of I'm just not going to get married until I have so <laughs> much financial security that no one can tell me twice. Horrible timing, Jedi Survivor coming out not only on a payday, but the payday just before what was actually a three day weekend here in the UK. With hindsight, I was never going to make it. Um, and we've got another three day weekend uh, next week. We do, and there's nothing to do on the Monday. Um, someone's getting having a party or something, but don't really care about uh, that. Some church. Um, <laughs> so Craig, um, Craig, Craig, Chris, Craig, Craig. I can't remember. Chucky, Craig. it's Chucky, isn't Ch- it? It's Chucky, 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 Chucky. you got it. Uh, but yeah, so we'll have a whole Monday to to burn. So maybe. Um, although, what am I saying? I don't even get to play my bloody PlayStation Five anymore because my kids are always on it. Like they are h- hilariously addicted and it's not good I need, to, so I need to like reduce the amount of screen time they have but yeah we'll see you can start doing this most what you can do is you can do all the parental locks but like play dumb about it so when they get <laughs> a thing being like you've played for two hours you have to get off now you could be like oh god what's what's making it do i've never seen <laughs> that well uh, pop up before us how bizarre i don't know what the passcode is i didn't set up any of these parental controls Yes, no, I think I, that's a that's a good shout. Although that might work with the little one. I think the big one's getting a bit. He's switching onto that sort of thing now. Well, he's like, "You've done this, so we'll see." Uh, if if I know anything about parenting, and I think I do, is like step one: use the uh, fake parental controls technique. Step two: give them alcohol, just but not knowingly <laughs> slipping into their food so they fall asleep. Step three: put them in the oven. Yeah, yeah, stick them in the oven. There you go. One less child to worry about, and a hearty meal for free. You know that um, Hansel and Gretel wasn't a uh, parenting manual, don't you? <laughs> yeah. That's actually um, how I got fired from a, um, a Life Hacks YouTube channel I used to work at because my top Life Hack was if you're A, running hungry, or B, angry at your child, eat it. Pop um, it in the oven. Yeah. Four hours on, on medium. <laughs> and then you've got yeah. a lovely, tasty meal. Yeah, exactly. I Wrap, wrap it up in tinfoil with lemon and garlic and... <laughs> Put a roasted head of garlic in your child's... No, I'm okay. We... Uh, yeah, little PSA. Way. This is all um, in the in the sake of poor humour. Going to put a little blanket statement out there, endorsed by the Super Show. Don't eat your children. Okay? <laughs> if anyone wants to soundbite, soundbite that and make sure the message is spread far and wide, we do not endorse cannibalisation of any kind. 
Um, even Jonesy of the corporate kind. Even because of the sometimes kind. you know, you know, mergers, acquisitions, murders, executions. Mm. Those two words sound similar. Cannibalization. I'm sure it's something that happens in some markets where regulation isn't good enough, or where regulation isn't good enough. Then someone has to stand up and fight the good fight, and that's exactly what our pride and glory here in the UK did this week. That's right. The Competition and Markets Authority, the fucking, the, 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 the reason to be proud to be British, um, had their say on Microsoft's attempted uh, takeover of Activision Blizzard this past week. And guess what, Jonesy? Um, against all uh, rumours and hearsay and everything we thought was going to happen, they blocked that motherfucker. Um, and they, they have prevented, uh, at least for now, the $68.7 billion cash purchase. Um, and do you want to know why? I would love to know why. Because they had concerns it would squash the cloud gaming market. Dun, dun, dun. Which I'm sure is not the first thing that came to most people's minds when we were talking about the potential for Microsoft to um, acquire Activision Blizzard. They were thinking about whether or not Call of Duty will remain exclusive and which dormant Activision uh, franchises Microsoft might reinvigor and put them onto Game Pass and try and make the Xbox the only way to play. But that is not what anyone at the CMA, in particular Martin Coleman, the chair of an independent panel of experts that was conducting the investigation, uh, actually have any real concerns with. As we mentioned, it's all about cloud gaming. Josie, I'm going to read a little quote here that gives a little bit of insight into what Martin and the other people that presumably sit on that independent panel of experts think about cloud gaming, its status at the moment, its future, and why they think it has to play such a big role in whether or not this takeover should be allowed. The quote is, Gaming is the UK's largest entertainment sector, tick. Cloud gaming is growing fast with the potential to change gaming by altering the ways games are played, freeing people from the uh, the need to rely on expensive consoles and gaming PCs. Again, I'm going to interrupt Martin and say, yes, I agree with you in theory. However, Google Stadia did just fucking shut down because no one fucking <laughs> wants this shit yet anyway. Please continue, Martin. It gives them more choice over how and where they play games. Again, yes, but see Google Stadia, they don't fucking want that choice. This means that it is vital we protect the competition in this emerging and exciting market. Basically, um, Martin, they're talking about how in the UK, and I guess by by extent, you could blow that out as far and wide as you want. Cloud gaming is growing. Microsoft obviously already has a pretty solid position in the cloud gaming market because of things like xCloud, which you can already uh, access on a number of devices and stream games locally to said devices. Um, and if this deal went through, it would strengthen Microsoft's position and give them such an advantage that it might undermine new and innovative competitors' abilities to uh, shake that tree somewhat. So if there were someone looking to enter into the cloud gaming space, they might just look at Microsoft post-Activision acquisition and say, well, there's no point in us even trying. In which case, maybe you've created a bit of a monopoly. I don't know. Um, I, think, I, think, yeah. I think I agree with a lot of what Martin said. Um, and the cloud, the cloud gaming angle, whilst you write about Stadia, um, people that have watched our content before will know my position on cloud gaming, which is, is the future of gaming. Um, consoles, hardware is not the future. Uh, I think it is, you know, I'm not going to put a time on it because I'm always wrong when I put um, a, uh, a year um, metric on it. I'm not going to say it's five years away because everything, whenever you say everything's five years away, it's always five years away, even in five years time. Um, yes. 
But I, I kind of, I get, you know, we were sort of thinking that maybe from the Activision front um, and that they're going to say, hey, look, you can, COD is only available. And it's like, I think Sony had the bullshit argument, which was uh, COD is such a Goliath that is almost a genre in its own right. And if you don't have the rights to COD, then um, that's unfair for Sony because they can't compete, which I, I think is a, a spurious argument to say, to say the least. Um, but actually what, the, what Martin said and what these guys have said on this board is, no, there's a, there's a burgeoning market which is coming. It's obviously not here yet, as we've seen with Stadia, um, but it is coming. It's being developed for. And what they don't want to do, which what this this um, uh, the whole job of the CMA is to stop um, big companies, big mon- companies monopolizing an area and stopping innovation, stopping choice for consumers. And we are consumers, and we want to have a lot of choice. And if it and turned out that we had to you know, sign up to ridiculous deals from Microsoft in order to play games that everyone wants to play, you know, with bad terms, uh, you know, dictating how and where we can play those games. They could effectively dictate the gaming, the cloud gaming market and how it develops over the, over in the world, which is shit for gamers as that oh, becomes yeah. the new thing. So I'm, I'm with them. I'm, I'm with mine. Uh, but here's the question. That hypothetical you just provided is absolutely shit. But are we really saying that the act of the acquisition of Activision Blizzard is the difference between Microsoft being uh, and Xbox being where they are now, and Xbox being in the position you just said, where they can block off the entire market, stop anyone else entering it, and give unfavorable terms to consumers? Like is owning is owning Call of Duty and Candy Crush the difference between Microsoft now being big friendly, uh, games are better when everyone's playing them, and big nasty Xbox like? Uh, here are these horrible terms that you have to sign because we're the only key players in the cloud gaming market. No, no. However, you, I suppose you could say that with, um, like, for example, like if you if you wanted to keep playing Warzone, and Microsoft said, "Hey, X Cloud is the only place you can play Warzone," and Warzone was such a Goliath, and you know, it's still free to play, and everyone wants to get on board with that. They could maybe that gives them enough of a push. Um, with what they're doing to make other companies think, hey, this is how we need to do it. And do I think that could have a bad influence? Because maybe Microsoft... That, that's already at work. That, that's already the way it works. Like Every company is of already course. responding to other companies' of exclusives course. by producing more exclusives. Uh, no, but I don't mean exclusives. I mean by by taking such a huge chunk of... Um, of the market by saying, hey, look, I don't know how many people still play Warzone. And it, and to be fair, in a number of years, it could be like irrelevant anyway. I mean, maybe maybe the next like thing comes along, like PUBG 2 just takes over and all this is completely right, yeah. irrelevant anyway. But I can I can see where they're coming from and I can see that they're, they're, they're working to their mandate by saying, hey, look, Microsoft are already doing a much better job than um, like Sony are, for example, when it comes to uh, services, like game services and stuff and, um, and xCloud. And we're not there yet, but I, I give them the benefit of the doubt and to say, I don't think they're doing this just to be difficult. I think they are genuinely concerned about what this means for cloud gaming. And it was a point I hadn't even considered. I hadn't even thought about this from this angle. I was just thinking about it from the exclusives yeah. angle. And I was just thinking about it like, what the hell is Sony talking about? Like, oh, our players in 10 years time won't get to play COD. It's like, well, come on, man. Get some of your own games. Get some of your own first uh, first right, person yeah. shooters made. Yeah, you fucking hell, like Sony. You keep investing in. You're making a new acquisition every six months. Like, let's not pretend these companies you're acquiring are doing anything other than producing exclusive software for your platforms. And yeah, I, I'm the same as you. I didn't. I didn't see this being a cloud gaming battlefield. Sorry, what were you? No, um, I, I was. I was. Just, it almost. It does. 
it does kind of open up a whole different thing. And then I'm not, these guys know a lot more than I do about this and how they think it'll affect it. But if they're saying it, I'm like, oh shit, yeah, that could have a negative effect. And at the end of the day, I want me and my fellow gamers to be able to have play in a, in a, the, you know, a good environment and a, and an open environment. I don't just want to be profiteered on and, you know, pushed into shit ways of playing because they've decided. So for example, let's say Google were big enough that they made Stadia work insofar as Stadia was the only way you could play massive... Maybe it did work. People didn't want it. Yes, but let's say, for example, State Google just went absolutely ham on buying everyone. So they bought every right. games company. Let, let's, let's say Google bought, like, fucking Take-Two and subsequently owned Rockstar and were going to make GTA 6 a Google Stadia exclusive, which is perhaps the single biggest example of, like, like a, a, an earth-shattering exclusivity deal for a cloud streaming service absolutely let's say they did that and then they said no our way of having you have to download you have to pay for the game in full then you can download it and play it and you need to buy our controller or whatever the hell else they were doing and you basically had felt like you had no choice if you wanted to get uh if you wanted to get a hold of loads of exclusives that's the only way you could do it if you said to me oh that then could have a knock on the other cloud-based services would they say that's how we're going to do our service rather than even trying something different it's kind of opened my eyes to go like, oh shit, yeah, that actually could have been a really terrible thing. And Stadia could have forced their shitty way of doing it on us. And then we would have been like, maybe we would have been stuck with it. I, I, I don't see it that way. Like, I, I think that, like, if cloud gaming is the future, then all of these games will end up on a cloud gaming service. And I think, yes, you could argue that the thing that will keep that cloud, those the, the, the various cloud gaming services reasonable and fair is the competition between them but i i i just like i like i don't i don't back the idea that like xbox were on some warpath to creating a wholly you know unfair and lopsided market and i think if anything like we talked you talked earlier about the differences and progress made thus far in cloud gaming between xbox and playstation this feels like just a weird way to punish xbox for being further ahead in a race uh, thus far and like it's almost like saying oh god if you sorry if you guys had spent a little bit less money progressing your your cloud gaming infrastructure and hadn't started xcloud and stuff like that then this stuff maybe wouldn't have even been a problem that to me like is kind of recessive in itself i'm not sure about the message that sends when they're talking talking about how vital it is to protect that market um and at the same time, I also just think when you look at like what's actually being gained specifically when you when you talk about Activision Blizzard, I just don't think like you're talking. I still don't think you're talking about a situation that creates anything resembling a monopoly. Whether you focus on the cloud gaming market or whether you focus on the traditional physical market, uh, like especially when you consider, and it could all be a bunch of hot air, but everything Microsoft is saying, and in some cases willing to back up with paperwork, paperwork that everyone except Sony is willing to sign, is actually like no, like your Warzone example was potentially interesting, were it not for the fact that Xbox is sliding contracts under the nose of everyone who with a pair of eyes saying how do you how would you like a guarantee that Call of Duty is going to continue to come into your platform for the next 10 years like, yeah it was it was 10 years wasn't it that they they guaranteed it for but then 10 years is not that long in gaming anymore so I can see why some I, I, tell, say, I, I tell you what 10 years is long enough to do like find your own solution to if, <laughs> yeah. if you think Call of Duty is going to stop coming into your platform 10 years is a hell of a long time to Make figure out what else. you're going to do about that especially again if you're acquiring in a new fucking um, company every six months as PlayStation currently are and they've got a huge push going on to into the live services market which PlayStation are very open about and Herman Holst did an interview with on in the last sort of like 
48 hours or so. And I, I just, I don't know. Like, I just think that, like, the idea that this particular takeover, that this particular acquisition would give Microsoft, like, and that Microsoft have shown themselves in their time in the game industry thus far to be the kind of company to be interested in growing to the point where they can essentially have a monopoly over a certain portion of the market and using that to, um, you know, leave consumers with unfavorable terms or however you want to put, like, anything that might, um, whether it's damaging the market and by way of the terms the consumers are left with or damaging the market by way of putting off potential, um, you know, emerging companies or people who could, like, you know, push that market or push that industry forward by being competitors. I, I, it just doesn't seem realistic to me. I don't know. I just don't, I just don't see it. They, they're probably being a little bit too careful. And like you've said, just be, Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard doesn't mean they're suddenly going to go from obscurity to massive. Like, of, of course, they're already massive and they've already got a shit ton of exclusive, exclusive deals. Maybe they're using this as like how, whatever, how, you know, when you get like an actor who should have won an Oscar and then they don't, but then when they, they do a film, it's a bit, not as good, a bit shit, but they're like, oh, but they got snubbed last year. So we'll give them an Oscar for this one. Maybe they're kind of looking at Microsoft more broadly and they're saying, whilst this deal's not the one, we're worried about how Microsoft are growing anyway. So we're going to use this as the one to slow them down, potentially. Because I, I, the one weird thing about this, and I must admit, I'm, I'm no idea on this, is what happens if the CMA stick with their ban and Mike they block because they're only blocking it in the UK right they're only they're saying no we don't want you to yeah. do this so um, then what happens if everyone else which looks like it could be likely says yeah go for it like I don't know do they just do they have to set up a UK detached UK company which is part of Microsoft or not part of it separate so they can sell games into you it gets really weird like, or like a service like it's Game Pass UK. It's the exact same as regular Game Pass, except it doesn't have Call of Duty on it. And you're like, great, okay. Yeah, right, yeah, maybe. Like, I don't know how that would work. I, I, I remember it happened before with Microsoft, and I can't remember what it was that they made them carve out, but they effectively made them take a section of the business, split it off, and make it into its own separate company in order to not be a monopoly. So I'm wondering if that's the way they'd have to do it, is like set up their own like secondary company and go, no, no, they're independent. And you're like, well, it's probably the same people who own it if you look at the shares and stuff. But they, yeah. M- Microsoft were um, they were pissed by this, which I did think was funny because there were some quite funny quotes and stuff. Yeah, the they actually spent most of the time in the aftermath of this announcement from the CMA, kind of making uh, various uh, jibes and 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 whatnot in their direction. Uh, one of the earlier ones from Microsoft saying, we're especially disappointed that after lengthy deliberations, the decision appears to reflect a flawed understanding of this market and the way relevant cloud technology actually works, which again is a, a pretty pointed indictment of that so-called panel of experts that the CMA put together. Um, Bobby Kotick himself, um, who of course uh, stands to gain a fair amount financially, uh, I, I'm pretty sure, should this deal go through. He had um, his own comments to make, some of which almost uh, came out in the form of a conspiracy. Um, he went so far as to suggest that the uh, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, actually had an influence over the CMA's decision, saying, I was surprised to learn that Lena Khan and the head of the CMA had a meeting a week and a half ago in Washington. Um, tinfoil hats. Tinfoil hat time. I mean, hey, if it's good enough for Bobby, it's good enough for us. That guy was in Moneyball. Um <laughs> Then it goes to Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith, 
who um, actually mailed, made some veiled threats about potentially reducing investment in the UK. He described it as the darkest day in four decades in Britain and that the deal was, quote, bad for Britain. And considering um, some of the prime ministers we've had of late and, <laughs> and Brexit and, and, I mean, four decades, like... Uh, Brad Smith definitely not uh, afraid to shoot his shot with that one. He even went on to say the UK government quote, said it needs to quote look hard at the role of the CMA and the regulatory structure. Um, That's like that to me is maybe one of the worst. That to say like oh they didn't let our deal go through, therefore they need to um, you know maybe they need to reconsider this independent body. It's like. Dude, like, come on, man. What are you say? Like, you just you didn't get your way, so now you're going to throw your toys out the pram and start saying that the government needs to step in and like sort yeah. them out just so they let it get through. Like, and, and well, a spokesman for the prime minister did make a comment saying that uh, those sorts of claims are not borne out by the facts, um, reminding uh, Brad Smith that the CMA are in are independent, and the CMA themselves responded saying that it was. Uh, supposed to, quote, do what is best for the people, businesses, and economy of the UK, not merging firms with finan- with commercial interests. It was basically as though to say, like, hey, we know you guys want to make a shit ton of fucking money, <laughs> but we're out here looking after the people. Um, even though, Jonesy, it appears that it's not always necessarily clear whether or not they would be protecting anyone from anything and what they would be protecting them from if they were, but, uh, yeah. What a fascinating it, yeah. story. It is, it is, it is a weird one, and sometimes it is weird to get into the weeds of this. Obviously, like more like gaming adjacent, but I do think it's interesting. Um, I want to say as well, like I was reading that Microsoft. I think the UK is um, a very big market for the for um, Microsoft uh, and Xbox. Like, if you look at like the continent, Sony do better, PlayStation sells better over there, and the Xbox does. Um, and so, it's actually one of the. I think it's America and the UK are the two places where. Uh, my, uh, Xbox is kind of battling out with with PlayStation often, and they're sort of like head to head. So it's got to be a bit of a kick in the teeth for them. Like if it had been Belgium, maybe they would have been like, oh, "All right, it's Belgium." Like I, but yeah, exactly. it must be annoying to sort of have it, you know, to have it in the UK, one of your um, your sort of second biggest market in that sense, as it were. Yeah, um, but I think this is why it's become as big a story as it ha- as has been. Like, yeah, for sure. This, I mean, I don't know if it's just because we're based in the UK and that's the news we get, but it feels like the CMA often hand in hand with the European regulators that would be looking over this deal are, are often kind of the, the two groups that are mentioned the most when it comes to what's happening um, over in this continent, at least. Um, so it's going to be a fascinating one to watch how it plays out because like like we got out earlier, Josie, I don't really know what this means. I know that Microsoft have the ability to appeal and that they are going to do so, uh, but how long that sort of process takes, what the CMA's track record is like on sort of like, you know, walking back certain major decisions like this, especially ones that have taken this long to reach a conclusion, and also how much do, good you do yourself by making threats to the group that you're asking to um, <laughs> reconsider a, a a big call that they have just made. I, I'm not sure what kind of um, uh, what kind of a position that leaves you in in terms of your relationship with that group, but time will tell. And I guess we'll try and keep people as in you know as in the know as as we can via this podcast, but I was saying to you before we started recording, it's getting to the stage now where my ability to talk about this story is is being stretched just <laughs> because it, it's like knowing about games doesn't help anymore. 
it doesn't matter that like I've played all the Halo games. I don't really know how to talk about the competitions and markets authority that that fluently. I don't know how, if that was obvious. You and me both. <laughs> so um, yeah, I feel I feel like you're pretty well read on this stuff. No, not a common man. I think we're been we're in a two peas in a pod when I think it comes to trying to understand like what this actually has the knock on is for us and how it's actually going to roll out in the future. But yeah, no, it's it is interesting. Whilst um, oh yeah, maybe we'll have to get like a a guest expert who can actually like get, go down like um, you know that's a fun idea. Give it give it to us in a simplified terms. This would be a beautiful time to find out that like one of the just interesting boys just knows everything about like market regulation and acquisitions and, and monopolies and all that stuff. Who would your money be on? Oh, if you had to guess, I, honestly, honestly, any of the three of them could be like that. I see they, they all occupy a similar spot in my head as being sort of like men of above average intelligence and good and, and, and good global and general awareness. I see. You no, know, I one hundred percent agree. I if I had to put money on one of them though, is their specialist area on on mastermind. I'd probably go with Ruffle because I know he's into like the financial stuff and he knows. I can see that, yeah. That. So I th- maybe I'd go, but yeah, I agree. I agree. With you. I think they'd all have a, a, an interesting take. Uh, maybe we have to maybe we have to reach out and find out if any of them do have any knowledge lurking, uh, bubbling away beneath the surface, and, and and get them on to to fill that rotating chair. <laughs> Um, but in the meantime, Xbox are going to hope that regardless of what happens with the Activision Blizzard acquisition, uh, that the rest of the year is just smooth sailing. They've got so many big, prominent, exciting AAA titles on the horizon to look forward to. People can't wait for Starfield. There's some fucking driving nerds out there that are going to take their dicks out of those exhaust pipes for a few minutes to play some Forza Motorsport when that finally fucking comes out. Um but the thing that was going to take up their early summer slot, Jonesy, um, but has yet to do so by uh, literally about an hour at the time of recording, is the uh, Arcane Austin, I believe, developed first-person shooter Redfall, which uh, people may have, of course, seen across various recent showcases and and developer diaries and all that kind of jazz that Microsoft's been doing. It is the kind of one-to-four-player co-op first-person shooter set in the town of Redfall that has been inhabited by all kind of vampiric monsters, and you're going to use a range of skills and uh, and powerful weapons to take them down in a, an experience that, according to some previews, was a bit more like Far Cry than the sort of you know, prey and dishonored uh, and and death loop sort of uh, vein of FPS games that Arcane had developed in the past. Um, the reason we're bringing it up though, Jonesy, is because, uh, well, Redfall's out in exactly an hour as we live stream this, and the uh, review embargo is either right now, like right this very minute, or it's in an hour. Um, in, at midnight, and for anyone wondering, midnight, yes, that would be the review embargo dropping the exact same time the game released, which meant that anyone that was that was interested in Always a physical, dodgy. yeah, a physical retail copy of the game would be doing so blind. Um, in fact, uh, the review aggregator Open Critic tweeted uh, in a tongue-in-cheek fashion earlier today about the optics of having a review embargo that drops either just as the game comes out or or, or a few hours before the game comes out. Um, and God, I, I kind of are you going to go check, weren't you, to see if the embargo's up already? Yeah, because that's the thing. I couldn't figure out. I didn't have time to figure out 
because you know it's time zones and conversions it's like is it now or is it um or is it in an hour because if it's now then we're about to have a fucking popcorn out moment this is a really funny one because i'm like surely if you have a a review embargo which ends the second the game is released everyone Mm. knows now that that's a really bad um uh foreshadowing of how bad the game's going to be but at the same time i'm like maybe there's a, a formula that says Whilst it is bad, it would be much, much worse to allow reviews to come out two days before and everyone to realise that it's crap and then to cancel their pre-orders. Like, may, maybe that's... So that's, a, that's a part of the conspiracy. That's why you, you push it if you think your game is bad. Like, you go as close to release if you think the game is bad. But, but then I, I, that's what I'm saying. I would love to know how that actually unfolds in the sense of, would it be better to let the reviews come out um, and people kind of go, oh, maybe reviewers are just being mean. And then you almost get the backlash from the game and saying, I'm going to play this game anyway. Or be- mm-hmm. and, or would it be better to say, to like as they do at the moment, like, no, no, we'll, we'll embargo, embargo, embargo. <laughs> then just a whole well, off. There'll be a bit of that because Game Pass will mean that people like you and me and anyone else subscribed can just kind of jump in effectively for free. But I will say that's, I think that's you kind of projecting a little bit because you're one of those people that does get that thing of like, that game can't be that bad. I've got to find I out do. for myself. Some people that. will just read a bad review and go like, oh, that's a bad video game. Um, and I think one other thing I should say now, because it doesn't seem like reviews are dropping, but I'll double check in a second, is the elephant in the room as we talk about this is that essentially it's starting to look more and more like at least some of the reviews for Redfall could be kind of bad. Uh, one of the first sort of uh, signs that this could have been the case was uh, ACG, who is an extremely popular and... and uh, you know, well-known YouTube-based reviewer, accidentally put his review up early. I think he kind of got the, um, yeah, he got the embargo time wrong. I think he put it up at like, you know, AM when it should have been PM or something like that. Um, And his review called it one of 2023's worst games, um, which is not only, you know, that, that could be damning for any game. Like, you know, the most random piece of shit could come out and ACG could call it that and people go, oh my God, that's rough. But when that's happening to an arcane developed, you know, Xbox Game Studios title that people have been anticipating for years, that's a bit of a shock to the system. Um, this was also happening while Bethesda themselves were going a bit buck wild with copyright strikes, uh, going so far to at one point even accidentally copyright strike their own Twitter banner. So their Twitter banner at one point, one point was a re- uh, replaced by a takedown notice. Uh, other <laughs> tweets have been going viral, showcasing various bugs, glitches. So Jonesy, as much as we are in a weird situation, talking about how good a game is, um, or how good a game might be literally at this point 56 minutes before we'll get a pretty good idea let's just say for a second for the sake of podcast entertainment that ACG is on the money here what a nightmare that is for Xbox Game Studios yeah no it, it's it's a bit of a weird one for me with this because so I, I think when Redfall was first announced it was a case of okay this doesn't look like anything I'm going to be interested in the game it doesn't sound that amazing uh, it doesn't look um, like, you know, something that is going to um, blow me away. Then it was a case of um, what we started to see sort of trailers and gameplay trailers and, and how this game was actually going to function. It sort of flipped, if I'm being honest. And then I was kind of saying, oh, wow, this actually looks kind of interesting. And I think it was, I wasn't the only one. A lot of people were sort of saying, no, Redfall could actually be like a sleeper hit and something that we weren't expecting is going to come out of left field. Um if it and then to, then for it to drop, and if it is like a terrible, terrible game, 
um, let alone the worst of 2023, let's say it's just like a shit yeah. game, um, then that it's almost the irony that it would have probably been better for the hype not to have gone up when it did and to have let the game kind of be a little bit under the radar because people then probably would have been a little bit more forgiving of it. It's almost like you ask for something for Christmas, you know, you know, ask for a PlayStation 5 for Christmas, you know there's no chance you're going to get it. But then a few days before Christmas, your parents put a box which is PlayStation 5 shaped under the tree and you kind of go, oh my God, it's a PlayStation 5. And then Christmas morning you open it up and you realize that they've actually bought you a toolkit. Um, because yeah, they keep yeah. asking you to put shelves up and you know, you're like, oh, if I only had some better tools. And it just so happens to be exact size and weight of a PlayStation 5 in a box. Your, your, your sort of how, how shit you feel is going to be much um, more heightened because you had the promise. And I think it's made it worse for, for um, Redfall because we were all a little bit excited about the prospect of, like you said, of an arcane um, co-op shooter with vampires and powers and all this sort of crazy shit going on. It looked like it could have been something really special, you know, like a death loop. Um, to be fair, yeah. it was like a bit of a surprise uh, game that came, a lot of people said was their game of the year. So you know, um, yeah, exactly. It's it's, it's it's really unfortunate. Um, and maybe ACG is just you know got a particular bent, and this wasn't for him. And and we're putting too much stock in what he said. But yeah, yeah maybe it's terrible. <laughs> maybe. I, I, yeah, I I I think you made a good point though there that like it's a the bottom line takeaway for as much as I sometimes look like I'm enjoying a game's failure a bit too much is that it is still a shame and that we at the end of the day should be rooting for every game to be as good as it can be because um, it helps the teams, it helps studios, it helps pe- keep people in jobs and it means that we get fun experiences that we get to play. But the, when I look at the way that ACG worded that, assuming this isn't some grand hoax that we've fallen for and if, if it is then I put my hands up. I don't think that someone like ACG makes a statement that bold to call it one of the 2023's worst games if he thinks there's a chance that it's just a matter of opinion and that he's, you know, interpreting things like that. To me, sounds like he's based off things that are like a that he thinks are fairly cold hard facts. Whether it's what the game looks like, how the game performs, whether it's you know, you know some of the moments, moment gameplay beats. Lack of objective variety, lack of enemy variety, uh, poorly implemented loot system, uh, the the length of the game, like that to me sounds like he's kind of looking at those elements that are a little bit more sort of less likely to run the gamut when it comes to people's opinions and saying like with some confidence, oh yeah, this game is bad and I think other people will think it is too. I personally kind of hope he's wrong, but... He's one of the worst people... As well to to have come out early with this because he's AC- nuanced. Yes, he's he's nuanced. He takes apart uh, sound. He takes apart graphics. He takes apart play like uh, gameplay mechanics, and he often does that. Or I think he nearly always does the um, buy, wait for a sale, or leave it on the shelf kind of thing. He doesn't yeah. usually go for the. Um, he's not a game spot. He's not an IGN. He's not going for a nine out of ten on any game that's half decent, like and made by a big studio. He is nuanced, so for him to say it, it's much more damning than a lot of other people, in my opinion, saying it. Agreed. And like, for as much as I don't disagree with what you were saying about the previews and and sort of how it did, you kind of you were on the upwards trajectory a little bit. There's also nothing about what I saw in any of those previews, gameplay wise, that makes me think that this couldn't be the case. Like, this isn't some weird, I don't have some weird, like, issue in my head, some weird rock and a hard place thing where I'm like, how can this be true when everything I've seen thus far looked so good? 
it's more actually this could be true because nothing that I saw totally wowed me. It just looked like a kind of thing that we could have some fun with, which kind of brings me back to an interesting point, Jonesy, and this is something that Microsoft may well be thinking about when it kind of weighs up all the various pros and cons of releasing a game like Redfall. If these reviews stick, and let's say the Metacritic is fucking 59, do you still download this via Game Pass on PC and give it a spin for yourself? Yeah, yeah, like if it's on game, mm. this is and this is an interesting thing about Game Pass is I would still be saying to you, I'd probably say to Chris and maybe like Steph, I'd be like, dudes, come on, and maybe even yeah. the fact it's a fifty nine would make me more likely to and be like, hey, let's let's play it while it's shit before they manage to like patch stuff and we can have maybe a, a bit of a laugh with it. Um, obviously, if it was a a buy, I'm like, I'm not buying it. I'm not going anywhere near it with real money, but. Um, yeah. Like, like you said, things on Game Pass kind of feel free, even though you obviously pay for the privilege. But Yeah, and like maybe that is a factor that goes into Xbox's decision-making around letting something like this out through the gate. Um, and don't get me wrong, like, it, that, that, they, 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 they would want to keep as good a you know, trajectory and a good a sort of like as consistent level as possible because what they don't want is to go into the fall with titles like uh, Starfield especially with people going, hey, you see what they fucking did with Redfall? Yes. They fucking stitched us up there. Like They want Xbox Game Pass to be synonymous with not just being the best deal in gaming but also being like a kind of satisfaction guaranteed kind of label. Yeah. Um, like quality, and, quality games, um, you know, affordable, blah, 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 you know, coming to yeah. regularly, yeah. Every Which, time they have a, feel- oh, sorry, I was going to say, every time they have a, a, a big game like this as well that people are talking about on Game Pass, it's like a tentpole game, right? It, it gets everyone yeah. more likely to renew their subscription, more likely to stick with it. And every time they have a bit of a flop, um, it makes, I bet you it makes a shit ton of people just say like, ah, I'm going to cancel my, my Game Pass. Right. So. Especially like, because... Of course, like you mentioned, Deathloop. Deathloop was sort of uh, m- mostly in production prior to the Microsoft acquisition, which is why also that you know uh, PS5 exclusivity deal was was honoured, and Deathloop was only on PS5 for that first year. But that game, as you said, launched extremely well. IGN and Gamespot both gave it a ten out of ten, which is kind of cra- crazy to think back on with hindsight. What a weird look this is for the when you take the studio that has developed. Dishonored, Dishonored 2, Prey and Deathloop, and saying this is actually their first proper title to come out as a part, as a member of Xbox Game Studios, as a part of the Xbox Game Studios family. It's also their first title to launch day and date with, with on, on Game Pass, ladies and gentlemen, Arcane. And it's <laughs> like, yeah, we made a bad Far Cry game. Sorry, guys. Like that's that's it's not Microsoft's fault because you have to presume as we've seen in other places and as we've heard in other places, that Microsoft just kind of step back and say, hey, make the game you guys want to make. And there's a chance that Arcane used that to explore territory that actually was a mismatch for them and they didn't know it until it was too late. But still, it doesn't look good. And it's one of these where there's a potential, like, this is just just the drama-hungry part of me, which is like, I hope the uh, you know some some high up person at Arcane gets on Twitter and starts slamming Xbox, saying that they would they were making us do this and they were pushing us too hard. And then Microsoft come back with like, we've got the receipts. We can show that we that we just let them have free reign. And then you get this like, so whose fault was it? And you get one of those little yeah. back and forth. But yeah, 
Well, time will tell because, as I mentioned, it's uh, thirteen minutes past eleven right now as we uh, as we are streaming. And for those of you who are watching live, I guess you only have uh, forty five odd minutes to wait until we know for sure how Redfall shall be received by the masses. And for those who are watching or listening to this after the fact, you'll you'll already know and have some very important context over um, around Redfall and what it means for. Arcane's future, for Xbox Game Studios' future, and uh, and for Game Pass's future, which, I, hey, maybe it means very little. Maybe you know I'm over exaggerating the kind of the the Richter scale impact of a title like Redfall, and maybe it just becomes one of those things where they get we go, oh yeah, that wasn't that good, and then we move on, kind of like Ghostwire Tokyo. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, time will tell. Um, and speaking of time, Jonesy, uh, I want to throw this out to you live because there's no cleaner way of doing it. Um, you, do you think we call that a podcast and 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 think about potentially uh, saving a, a story or a question or two for some Patreon-exclusive content? Or do you want to touch on this last note while we are live and we have um, an audience of people hanging on our every word? Oh, and I, I, think, I think for Patreon content, this might be that... This next story would be the too. It's too boring. It's too. I, I wouldn't want to give anyone excited like, oh, there's some more content, and then they log in hey, for the you, dullest hey, fucking story. Everyone, everyone watching or listening around the world, you heard it here first. This is too boring for patrons, which means it's a <laughs> okay for you. Yes, you. It, it, no, it, it's 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 interesting as like a one liner, and we were just going to tack it on at the end if we had time. And so, uh, yeah, let's tack it on if you're happy to. Let's, let's just, yeah, let's oh, it. absolutely. Let's treat it as such because that one liner is that Sony. As PlayStation 5 console sells more units between January and March of this year than any console ever, that being 6.3 million PS5 units sold in the first quarter of the year, the best sales period, the best sales in that period of a, for a games console ever. It actually, this is some like. This is crazy to say out loud, Judge, um, but uh, I'll read it. I'll read what it says. <laughs> it, it doubled the previous record holder, the PS4, which sold 3 million units in the same period, presumably at uh, some point um, in that game console's life cycle. Overall, the PS5 is, of course, still down on the PS4 in total sales. Um, the PS4 sold uh, 40 million by this point in its life cycle. The PS5 is on 38.3, but perhaps not that surprising given some of the difficulties people have had getting their hands on the hardware. Um, and uh, for that reason, Sony are probably hoping the PS5 will catch up as those supply issues continue to clear away. Um, it's also worth noting it's an interesting little addendum that 70% of all games for PS4 and PS5 sold in that January to March period were digital which is why we continue to see uh, stories like the one we uh, touched on earlier where games like uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor are actually underselling their predecessors uh, in physical sales, but that's just because every single person uh, nowadays, nearly every single person, the majority of sane people, Josie, have given up that disc boy life. They are no longer grabbing and pinching their foreskin, threading their penis <laughs> through the tiny hole in the middle of the disc. They're just going digital, baby. And I don't know if you've seen what PS5s look like, but that disc drive is thin. You're not putting your penis in there. You can't fuck a PS5, let alone a digital one. So far safer. <laughs> you can't. It is, it is far safer. Yeah, no, like um, this obviously, this is interesting, but like we said, it's a little bit dry. So um, yeah, making making some Patreon-only content would have been a little dry for it. But that is kind of mad. Like, yeah, the fact that it's like PS5 to me, if you, if you said what's the defining um, sort of, 
fact about the PS5 and it's the era of the PS5, it, it would be like horrendous supply issues. And getting hold yeah. of one was a bloody nightmare. So maybe you shouldn't be that surprised that um, it's absolutely smashed it this year, this this uh, Q1 of, of 2023, because it was so hard to get hold of, you know, last year. Um so yeah, and people are obviously just still trying to uh, still trying to catch up. They've been saving up for a little time, and they finally had it available to them. And they've thought, Do you know what, I'm going to hop in and get a PS5. Yeah, and that makes it interesting to consider like what the bigger picture for the sales chart of the PS5 at the time will look like. Like, I wonder if we're reflecting on this in a gen- in you know by the time the next generation rolls around, and it's kind of like a steady up ramp that then gets a big bump. As the you know supply lines issue is fixed, but then actually comes back down and levels back down as everyone who was waiting for ages or people who didn't want to join in the rat race and were waiting till it was just on shelves gets what they want, and then all of a sudden you have a far more normal, maybe in line with the PS4 uh, sales timeline between now and whatever the fuck is next. PS5 Pros, PS5 Slims with detachable disc drives, um, it's all out there apparently. So I'm uh, gonna I'm gonna make a guess right now though in that. So this is the best Jan to March console sales. Yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that the Switch was the be- is the best selling console. Although it's, I suppose do they class it as a handheld or a console? That's, I don't really know. If I think it would have been. I think it would have been. I mean, the, the 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 wording here is more than any console ever. You have to consider the Switch a console. I, I would. Yeah, I think you should. I, I reckon there was a time in what 2021 would it have been in like the summer when the Switch absolutely dominated, but it wasn't in Jan to March, so it would be like... So I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was another quarter when the Switch dicked oh, over right. everything. Like that Animal Crossing summer in, in yes. 2020. Yes, 2020, like yeah, yeah, 2020. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Maybe maybe we'll have to have a look that up um, and or, or post in the Discord. Yeah, yeah. Because that would be interesting. Yeah, because you're, you're right. You wonder if like this was kind of like a medal that was there to be claimed because... January to March, you'd probably consider it to be the weakest quarter for you know video game console sales, just because so many people are going to get their purchasing out of the way at Christmas, right? Yes. Like if Q4 is going to be the most popular time, you'd have like you'd imagine, with the exception of sales and and I don't know, like like you do get other weird things, but then again, I was going to say like um, financial years and bonuses, but a lot of that stuff is in April, so. Uh, who can say? Who can say? It's a weird one, but yeah, this one caught me by surprise a little bit, especially at doubling the previous holder. The idea that no console in the history of any console ever has sold more than a million units a month between January and March. I almost don't want to believe it, um, but maybe that's just me being stubborn. Oh, so, okay. So I'll get. So <laughs> this kind of ruins it a little bit. Okay, but, here we go. Uh, so in Q3 of 2022. The PlayStation Five sold seven point one million units, but so that's more, yeah, obviously more. But that was not a record-breaking quarter, which is why this is why this story is a thing. Um, yeah, that Q that Q three was like, oh no, other un- other ones have sold better um, in Q three. Uh, so this, so okay, it's taken a little bit of the edge off, but but there we go. It's still good for yeah. it's still good for Sony. It's still good for PlayStation and how many PlayStation? I, I realized that we. Um... With the exception of Jedi Survivor, which you know, is the same thing everywhere you go, we did just kind of spend uh, a lot of this podcast talking about Microsoft's uh, acquisition of Activision Blizzard getting rejected, uh, Redfall apparently being shit, and then celebrating how well the PS5 was selling. I can promise 
Uh, we are not Sony ponies. We are not being paid uh, by Sony, or, or we're not affiliated with PlayStation anyway. Um, <laughs> Let's imagine we 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 just got paid like fifty k before the podcast just to like you know they're like hey we know you guys have lost Chris so uh, we're gonna we're gonna throw you a bone give you some cash and all you've got to do is talk up Sony and slag off Xbox so uh, that is what no that's not what we've been doing we are not for sale well we are for sale but no one's buying us because they don't want to so all exactly. of the opinions are our own <laughs> yeah exactly we are only for sale for things like. Um, Companies that deliver roses in times for special occasions. Um, I'm, I'm more than happy to venture into the dick pill market. I hear that's really booming on podcasts nowadays. If anyone out there from Blue Chew wants to get in touch, Blue Chew, maybe send, yeah, maybe send you a couple of free samples. Uh, do you know what? I would only, um, I would only do an advert for a company like that if I had used the product and could swear by it beforehand. That's all Even if so, how, so you, you're going to have a sit, sit down conversation with your with the missus and say, "Look, I've got a bit of a situation here." Hey, okay, here's a question: How do you know though that they're working if you don't need them? Um, I've spoken to someone that's used them, and from what I can gather, a like friend. if they're, a, I, I genuinely, it's a friend. I, I can, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't hide if I had, but I have never <laughs> taken any kind of, um, you know anything in that field but the they and take you have to take this with a pinch of salt because they did have a reason to take it they were nervous something that happened to them in the past might happen to them again right but by the same token they also claimed that like it was it was different gravy it wasn't like oh so <laughs> it wasn't like all of a sudden it just worked the way it always right. works it was like it was working on steroids um and the, I, I I believe the same person said that like when they had gotten over that hump that they were worried about, yeah. they used the remainder of what they'd bought just for fun because it was different. It was noticeably different. Ah, interest, interesting. I didn't okay because I was thinking like if yeah if, if you have an issue with that then yeah fair enough like you can tell because you take it and it works. I was always wondering like if you didn't have an issue would it be like hey is it is it her or is it the little blue blue chew whatever you called it like how would you know the difference but they, that's interesting oh. to know there you go it's, it's I mean, different grade yeah <laughs> it's different i think that would be an interesting experiment I, honestly that could be the kind of endorsement the blue chew are missing is like here's a viagra review from a guy that doesn't need it and if he still says it's good then hey, it must be great um, i was because i was i've always wondered like if you took something like that and then you're and then you go for it and then you're finished are you there just still tempo just thinking like good question I'm, I'm finished with this now i don't need it anymore or is it like does it know you can oh he's done i don't need to be around you don't have to do a margaret thatcher naked on a cold day routine <laughs> they say austin powers on a cold day um <laughs> that well is the, that I is mean, the go-to yeah and i think that's the best advertisement we could possibly make for our services and the services we could use to endorse any products out there so if anybody representing any products that needs such endorsement are listening or watching please do send any viagra straight to jonesy's house and uh, he will let you know if he is still pitching a tent after he's finished these questions and more answered exclusively here on the super show where another episode live no less is now in the books no technical difficulties that I know of. Um, Seems all right. Fucking hell, Jonesy, we made it. Um, thank you uh, for joining me on this on this wet and wild adventure uh, through the wonderful world of video games. Thank you, mate. Thank you for being an awesome host, as always.
No, not at all. And of course, um, above all else, thank you so much for watching, listening, whether you're doing it after the fact, uh, as a YouTube VOD, whether you're listening to the audio version of this podcast on podcasting platforms, or whether you're here with us right now in the live stream, in which case, say hello. I'm sure Josie still has the, uh, the, uh, the, the live chat feed up, and um, he will see your name. Um, and uh, hey, uh, just because we mentioned it earlier in the show, another big shout out again to everyone who's still supporting us over on patreon.com forward slash super show. Like we said, we're kind of fairly comfortable now that we are going to start sharing that link again and, and start asking anyone who wishes to um, uh, to pledge to us and, and letting them know that they are that they that uh, now's the time to do so as we continue to think of fun ways to produce content, both for public consumption and for patron exclusive consumption so watch the space hopefully some cool stuff happening in the future and with that i say thanks again for watching and or listening thanks again jonesy for being here and see you next time hopefully see ya bye